Welcome to Radio Rehab. I'm your host, Dana. If this is your first time listening, we are a podcast where we talk about recovery. Usually it's myself, a recovering addict, with another recovering addict alcoholic, and we talk about all things recovery. This week, my guest host is Megan B. Megan wrote an amazing article for an online magazine that I'm going to let her tell you all about. And today we discuss the article she wrote and the nuances of being a sober mom, because there's lots more to being a mom in recovery than you think. It's actually a lot harder than it sounds. And I'll let Megan tell you all about that. Let's join the conversation. Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. Thank you so much for being on the show, Megan. It's been a long time since I've done um, a show on mothers and sobriety, and I've learned more about it since then, especially from your article. Tell us about that article you wrote, because I loved it. Oh, cool. Thank you, Dana. I'm excited to be here. I love your show. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I was excited to write the article because I wanted to kind of not just have something for mothers who are trying to get sober and feel like they're totally alone, but also try to create some awareness about how we treat people who don't drink Mm. and kind of the pressures that moms can put on each other to kind of be a part of things and have fun. Um, So that was kind of cool. And I wanted to appeal also to moms who are in recovery and just kind of wanted to hear from somebody else going through the process. So it was really cool to be able to share that. You know, it's so strange to be is like, when I was drinking, you know, nobody wanted to be around me and it was like how to get her to drink less. And I don't know if this is a new thing or just because I've been sober in the last three and a half years, so I've just just noticed it. But like all the moms I see on Facebook, it's like wine o'clock. Yeah. And it's like, (laughs) when did that become a thing that you're getting drunk at two o'clock and it's acceptable? And why wasn't it acceptable when I was drinking vodka? Totally. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's really interesting. And I don't think. I didn't really notice it until I was trying to stop drinking because before then it was like, well, this is perfect. Right. This is this is perfect for me. I love wine. I love to drink. Um, And it's kind of especially like being a mom, it's, it's hard and you need like a break and some kind of relief. And the problem is that it doesn't really solve anything. And especially if you're an alcoholic, like going out and having some drinks with other moms, it's just, you take it to a new level. Yeah. And um, I think it's like really isolating when you're trying to get sober and then you're like, well, how do I still have friends? How do I be a part of like this mom group when I can't be a part of what they're doing? Right. I Like when I was drinking and like back when I was getting sober, it's like I go out with people because some people are I mean, I have friends who straight up lie. They'll be in an alcohol environment and people will ask them if they want to drink and they'll say like, I'm on antibiotics. And I'm like, what? what? But I'll straight up say like, no, because I don't want to be smoking crack at three o'clock in the morning. And that's what will happen <laughs> if I drink right now. And people are always like, that's too much information. But thanks. But it's like, I feel like I have to do that because I've relapsed so many times and I've been able to pull it off because I've been able to go, no, I could drink, you know, because I was just a drug addict. But, you know, of course, turns out I'm totally an alcoholic, too. (laughs) Most people are all of them. But it's like, yeah, it's I didn't realize there was a thing like when you go out with moms to where it's that's what you have to do to be accepted. I almost would feel like moms would judge you for drinking. Yeah, it's funny. And I, you know, I don't want to generalize about like every mom out there, but I definitely felt like 
you know, when I was first getting sober and I didn't have a program, I felt like kind of embarrassed that I wasn't drinking. And oh, so yeah. I would yeah. kind of like make up some excuse or just like hold something in my hand. And, um, you know, people would say to me, like, if I'd be complaining about something that happened or having a hard time, they're like, you know, you really need a drink or, you wow. know, what would make that better. Some wine. Let's let's, you know, share a bottle or whatever it is. Um, and so it wasn't until I actually had a program and then started to, like, kind of understand myself as a sober person that now I don't feel the need to make anything up like I feel comfortable talking about you know if they want to hear more I'll tell them more right um, but now I'm I'm comfortable at a point where I can say you know yeah I don't drink I'm sober and that's just you know that's part of my reality now yeah and I mean I know like a lot of moms who get sober you know part of their their amends and like a lot of the work they do is like how much they were you know drunk around their kids or they would pass out at night and the kid would wake up and need them and they weren't around um did you experience any of that or is it or is it more since you got sober I think uh, it's funny because my kids are pretty young Mm -hmm. and um I didn't have like a a ton of like big amends to make to them but what I found was that where I was really struggling was after I got sober before I had a program Because I just was having such a hard time dealing with everything. And I feel like that's the part that was hardest for them. Because it was that kind of dry, drunk kind of Mm. behavior and like not emotionally sober. And that's the stuff that I feel bad about. Um, Just, you know, because it's so hard. You think, well, all I have to do is just not drink. And you don't realize that that's just like the very beginning of it. Yeah. Like it's a huge tip. important part of oh, it. Oh yeah. It, but, yeah, it has to be there. But. You know, for me like that the real struggle was like, okay, well why am I still feeling like I'm totally coming unglued? Why can't I deal with my life, you know? And that's when I, you know, felt like I really wasn't at my best as a mom. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it's something I still deal with uh just like dealing with life as a sober person yeah, and how to try to be the best mom I can be, which is really hard anyway. Right. Um, And then you kind of mix in like the alcoholic thinking and everything else that goes along with being an alcoholic. Um, But I think that's like when I saw a real shift was like when I actually like now I have a routine around my program. But the beginning, because I I didn't get into a program, I've been sober for like a year and uh, I was just trying to like white knuckle it and like, why do I feel like such a disaster? You know, wow. I don't know <laughs> how people can get more than five minutes of sobriety without a program. Because, yeah, I am fit to be tied, as my grandmother used to say, when I'm dry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't think it lasts. You know, uh. I mean, that's the thing I realize. Like, this is not this is not going to last if I don't get some help. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I know one woman who I think got to eight years before she started going to the program. <laughs> Eight years of like white knuckling. I'm like, why? There would be dead people in my wake. You know what I mean? Everyone would hate me. I wouldn't have a friend. My cats would probably pack up and leave if I was dry for eight years. Yeah, it's wild too because I, I guess I didn't realize what options there were for me. You know, I mean, now it's like I've discovered this entire world of people and programs and. But at the time, I just didn't feel like I was like, well, what do you do? Where do you go? Who do you talk to? It felt like there were no other sober moms. So I felt like, well, I must be the only one. So I'll just try to get through this on my own. And then, you know, I remember 
once I did get in a program, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I've been trying to do this by myself this whole time. Right. <laughs> when there's all this help yeah. and there's all these, like, options that are open. I'm, I'm Yeah, like, I think people have been angrier at me just when I've been sober and not going to meetings yeah, than they were oh, when I was yeah. drinking. People mm-hmm. are like, dude, you, when you've got normies going, you need a meeting. It's like, <laughs> oh, God, that's embarrassing. What did I just do? <laughs> Like, yeah, producer Shar, the producer of the show. It's like she's she's not one of us, but she's an expert on us because she's known me for, you know, like 14 years. So it's she's she's seen all the different versions of me, like the drinking and using, the trying not to drink and use, the dry, the then being sober for a while and then quit going to meetings for two weeks, which is her least favorite, which mm-hmm. is so funny that that's worse than when I was loaded. But it is because I get angry. You know, like I had, um, there was a time I was flying. I went back south to see my family and I'm like an idiot. I had a knife in my bag. I was in the south. (laughs) I saw some cool knife and I'm like, I want this. And then not even thinking it was in my bag. And when I was going through TSA, she like took it out because what's this? I'm like, it's a fucking knife. I mean, like, and my mom looked at me like, Dana. And I was like, what do you need to take? Can you just, why don't you just hand it to me once I get through? Or I look like I'm going to do something with it. And it literally, like, I wanted, once I got home and went to a meeting, I wanted to write that TSA agent an apology letter. Yes, she was mean, but she's a TSA agent and I had a knife. Of course she was mean. But it's like, yeah, the things like that, like, I, I can't, you know, control the anger. Everything is anger when I'm not working my program. Oh, totally. And I remember even, you know, it takes me a while to get things sometimes. Like even when I joined the program, it took me a while to realize, like make the connection between, oh, yeah, when I go to four to five meetings a week versus one, there's a big difference in just how I handle myself in this world. And it took me a while to actually get that. And, you know, I would say it's like been fairly recent. I would say like the last four or five months that I've like really dug into like, you know, kind of how many meetings I need to get to and what kind of work I need to be doing pretty regularly. But, and you know, I'm, I'm pretty open with my kids about it too. Like, you know, they've been to meetings with me and it's like, this is something that I have to do and it's really important to me. And I remember a mom telling me in the beginning, she's like, you have to put your sobriety first. And I was like, I don't understand what that means. Mm -hmm. Like you're telling me to put something ahead of my kids that, that does sound strange. Yeah. But it's so true. It's like you have to. Like I cannot be who I want to be for them if I'm not actually putting my sobriety first. Yeah. It's so true. It's like the oxygen mask on the airplane yeah. thing. It's like you have to take care of you first. Yeah, somebody once said to me, anything you will put anything you put before your sobriety, you'll lose. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I remember being like, that can't be. But yeah, everything I put before my sobriety, I've lost. <laughs> it's, it's gone. So, I mean, yeah. Except the cats, but I don't, yeah, I did put the cats ahead of my sobriety, maybe a couple of times, but now it's almost <laughs> like, I mean, I'm I'm not, not that I'm sober for them, but it's like, I'm sober for everyone around me who has to deal with me because I can't successfully die. I know that because I tried. So it's like, if I have to be here, I'm going to try to be a good person while I'm at it so that, you know, people don't hate me and so that I'm not miserable. It's just... The toxic way of thinking that normies, you know, are a lot can have because they can go home and drink a glass of wine and relax. Right. Like we don't have that luxury. No. Like, Mm-mm. and we definitely don't have the luxury of being angry because it all it does is kill us. It's like what did I think somebody said something about resentments or it's like uh, eating poison and expecting the other person right. to die. Yeah, it's yeah. so true. It's so true, and. 
it's like the the way that that's kind of like the catastrophic alcoholic thinking and it's different for everybody like where you start to like kind of spiral down and you're like and then this will happen and then this and then this and you've got that like end desperate thought as an alcoholic and it's different for everybody and for some people it's like I'm unlovable or I'm gonna die alone or like Mm -hmm. whatever the your fear dramatic ending and for me it's like it always goes to like I'm a terrible mother I'm failing my kids so it's like for me it's it's really strongly tied to who I am as a mother Mm -hmm. and so it's like when I'm on when I'm working a good program when I'm getting to meetings like that's the best way that I can be the mom I want to be and take care of my kids because otherwise it's like you just get into this spiral about it. And how old are they? Ten and five. And so the like they have and you said you're open with them about the fact that you're in recovery. Have they noticed a difference? Do they talk about it? It's funny because um, in the beginning I didn't know how to explain it to them. In the beginning I wasn't telling anybody. I was right. like, oh, I should be ashamed of this and I should make sure no one knows about it. You know, <laughs> right? And um, eventually, you know, as I got comfortable in the program, I was like, no, this is not. You know, I I don't feel that way about this. And I asked people, how do you explain it to kids? How do you talk to them? And most people say, well, you describe it like an allergy. And I tried that, but it didn't really. Oh. You know, it's kind of like the way some people are allergic to peanuts. You know, but I. I didn't feel like it quite described what the experience was like for me. Right. And so we we talk about how, you know, addiction is like doing something that's bad for you, but you feel like you can't stop and you don't know why you're doing it. And for me, even a little tiny bit of alcohol is really, really dangerous. And it was funny because my son looked at me and he's like, you know, he's very thoughtful and kind of mulls things over. And he's like you don't look like a drunk. (laughs) It was like, well, you know what? And it was a great way to talk about, like, this can happen to anybody, and you can't always tell by what somebody looks like or the conditions of their life what's happening with them. So, you know, we have a way of discussing it that I try to be specific to how old they are and what, what amount of information would be helpful for them, but not overwhelming. And I'm sure as they get older and they have more questions, they're, you know, that conversation is going to look different. But it's like I was so exhausted from all the secrets that I yeah. kept. Oh, my God. When it's I was so drinking. Exhausting. And, and for years, you know, it's like I had my first drink at 13 and I'm 42. So it's like it's a long time of carrying secrets and they're so destructive. And I just felt like, you know what? I feel like this is something I need to be open with my kids about. And that's that's a personal choice. I think everybody has to figure out what they're comfortable with, and everybody's going to have a different way of handling it with their kids. But it's been something that has been really important for me to be able to share with them. Yeah. I mean, my dad, I was like 11 and a half, or no, 10 and a half. I was almost 11. So yeah, I was 10 and a half when my dad got sober. And he was always very open with me about it. Um, you know, like about what drugs did and, and what happened. So it's like I, I got to grow up when people were like, oh, that guy's not on drugs because they think you have to be a bum to be on drugs. Like right. I know better. And like I, I, I at least had the thought that drugs were everywhere and that you didn't have to be, you know, passed out on the street, um, you know, soiling yourself to be an alcoholic or an addict because yeah. anybody could be turns out I was (laughs) and my dad was and you know his addiction looked completely different than than somebody on the streets of Skid Row so to speak but um uh, one thing my dad used to take me to is um 
Not always because I hated them because I didn't like being around other kids because I thought I was such a grown up. But there was Alatot and Alateen. <laughs> Do you ever think about taking your kids there? You know, I. it's funny because um, I never knew that that existed. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but I think definitely, like, I think programs like that probably will be in their future. Yeah. Because, um, I, I mean, I just figure, you know, it was, first it was like this terrifying fear of, like, how can I prevent my children from ever being an alcoholic or an addict? But it's like, I can't prevent that you know I can only try to help them as they get older and you know so I'm sure as they get older I'm going to be trying to figure out every resource I can to you know help me get them through adolescence and teenage years so I'm sure they will be going to something like that eventually oh yeah and it's like we say like attraction rather than promotion Mm -hmm. it's like a lot of it is just seeing that you're happy and how you deal with day-to-day life and that'll be more attractive to them than watching somebody, you know, drink and use or watching somebody just be angry all the time. But then, like, Alateen was fun because there were, like, dances. You know, you were, like, 13 or 14, and you're, like, at a dance, and it seemed like you were in a club. It was really cool. That's really neat. Like, Alateen, it's definitely more fun than Alatot when you're a kid. But, yeah, (laughs) Alateen was actually fun. It's something I totally suggest people, like, send their adolescents to because it's fun. They get to run off and talk about, you know, the alcoholic parents and they laugh and they see that their parents are all sober now and it's just it's a good experience yeah yeah thanks to Megan for being my guest on the show this week and thanks to you for listening if you'd like to contact us the number is 415-496-9511 even when we're not in studio email is Radio Rehab at GoTo Productions and on Facebook Instagram and Twitter it's at Radio Rehab Dana you can also read my blog at radio.rehab On tomorrow's episode, Meg and I are going to discuss surrender and finally getting sober. Keep coming back.